Welcome to today's New Life Live podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by you. Your donations make this podcast possible. Please consider donating today using the New Life app. Visit newlife.com or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Welcome to New Life Live with host and founder of New Life Ministries, Stephen Arterburn. For 35 years, New Life has been transforming lives one at a time thanks to the giving hearts of you, our listeners. Our goal is to provide you with wisdom from God's Word to give you hope and help in life's hardest places. If you have a question you'd like to ask today, our phone lines are open. Call 1-800-229-3000. That number again is 1-800-229-3000. Now here's Steve. Well, hello, everybody. It's not Steve. It's Becky, and I'm joined by Dr. Alice Benton and Chris Williams. How are you guys in California? Howdy, howdy. Hey, hey guys. We're good. It's uh, wet, rainy, and cold. Well, it is bright, sunny, and warm here in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. So. It's like role reversal. Sorry about you. Yeah. You know, it is Monday morning, and I know that a lot of people are looking at a new week ahead of them, but, you know, we have a group of men who are looking at a brand new week just completed for the weekend in Dallas, Texas. And, you know, I'm thinking about the guys who have a new plan and a new purpose and a new focus. And, you know, I it, it could be the greatest week or the most challenging week. You know, Chris, you have worked with so many men who have worked the recovery process. What mm-hmm. would you say to somebody who's in this process of recovery for every man's battle? Well, you've just walked through the door. And there's going to be a lot of differing emotions happening, and, and big differing emotions. And there's going to be, uh, for a lot of guys, an overwhelming sense of relief and hope, and an overwhelming sense of terror and dread. <laughs> because you're going to be facing what was in the dark that there's now in the light. Everything that you feared most about your secret life is now a reality. Mm-hmm. The other aspect of it is that you're no longer carrying that horrific weight and torture on the inside. Now, one of the mistakes that we can make is that a weekend is curative. I'm all better. I can go on with my life. But the weekend is the essential doorway to enter into a life of recovery. And so what's really important is that there be little time wasted and by little i mean no time wasted into putting in the battle plan putting in the recovery plan right away and 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 setting that up as soon as you can and not letting the momentum um uh pass you by for too long a period of time because the the impact of the weekend will fade so now we need Mm -hmm. to get into the impact of living a new type of life you know, a lot of times, though, with these guys, there will be new situations. When and how do you explain to someone what happened and how you're working a new plan of recovery? What would you say to those who are working recovery in um, those situations? Well, there, there's a couple tendencies. There, one tendency is to not tell anyone and to stay in the mm-hmm. secret place. There's another tendency, and that is, <laughs> excuse me, sorry, excuse me, is to just dump is to just like unload. And I'm like, both tendencies are not helpful. What you want to be mm-hmm. able to do is a purely need-to-know basis. There you go. And so 
a person that needs to know is your significant other, your spouse, your wife. Another person that needs to know is a sponsor or a close friend. Maybe there's someone who's aware of your journey. And so you need to disclose and and, and come out into the light with the sec- broken sexual aspects of yourself with recovering community. You know, that mm-hmm. is in your sustained victory group. Again, that is in, mm-hmm. if, if you're in a 12-step group, it's in a 12-step group. For all others, you can say, hey, there's just some, some things in my life that I'm really working on and focusing on, and it's going to take some work for me to grow and heal. Yeah, we know that every man's battle makes a difference. And we know that the guys that were with us this past weekend are looking at a new life and their families are going to be changed, their marriages are going to be changed, and we're grateful to be along that journey. If you are struggling with sexual integrity, you can join every man's battle. You can give us a call. We'll get you connected. Um, We know that there is hope. And there is a free life like what you were just describing, Chris. Listen, we're going to keep taking calls. So call us 1-800-229-3000. And we're going to be back right after this. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. We are so glad that you joined us. And, Alice, I wasn't trying to leave you out of that conversation, but I wanted to hear from the man in the room. And um, But I know that you have thoughts about recovery and have worked with couples that have had this struggle. Do you want to add anything to our opening conversation? That would be great. I sure do, because another population that probably needs to hear from their fathers is the children. Mm, Our children yeah. need to know something at an age-appropriate level because they, their radar is so sensitive to things being off and things being wrong in the home. And so allowing your children to know that you are working on a problem that broke trust between you and their mom and letting them know some of the specific things, the group meetings you're going to, the individual therapy you're doing to, to help rebuild the trust with them as well. They need to be told something. And as to um, the early sobriety, I, I want to encourage you men not to get too comfortable in your sobriety. It makes me think of our salvation, that we're supposed to keep working it out with some fear and some trembling. Although we have it, the holding on to it is a struggle. And so it should take work and effort. And it's good to have a holy concern for sobriety rather than getting too comfortable in it. And the last one, Becky, is, is for the wives, that husbands, please brace yourselves that the further you go in your healing process, the more more pain it actually adds on and or reveals for your wives Mm -hmm. because you're experiencing some joy and freedom and a lightheartedness as you're unburdening the problem. But some of it's falling now onto your wife in a new and different way. And so please be patient and understanding with her. Her pain's going to take a long time to process and to heal. Yeah, that's good. Good insight, Alice. You know, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we had the Restore Workshop, and we heard that pain, and we heard mm, the yeah. challenges of you know just reconnecting when there's been so much betrayal trauma. That's what, exactly what we call it. And but yet we know that there's hope. We I just was reading through some of the surveys, and so many of the women found strength in numbers. You know, when they were able to connect with other women who had walked through this journey, but they have their own recovery, which seems so weird um, because you think, well, what do they have to recover from? But mm. it is the healing journey. Yeah. Um, Chris, any last thoughts on that? Yeah, I do have a thought on that because it's important to understand the unique nature of betrayal trauma. Uh, 
It's a trauma that's happening to you that you don't know is happening to you until after it's happened. And so the world in which you thought was safe and secure, the world in which you thought you could trust, no longer you can trust. It flips everything upside down. And I don't think that people, and especially guys, understand what their wives are going through in that and why it takes so long to build back trust. Of course, it's, it is the pain of what has happened, but it's the pain that they, they have no idea what, what to trust. And so safety and security is gone, and what they thought was safe and secure all of these years was not. And, and that is such a profound, profoundly confusing and painful experience that I think that we need to understand why betrayal trauma, one, is so powerful, and, and it just takes a lot to recover from. I love it. I love it. And we're here for you. So, you know, if you have any trouble with any of that, give us a call. Right now, we're going to go to our caller, Lynn, who's calling us from Sacramento. Listens on KFIA. Hi, Lynn. We're so glad you called. How can we help you today? Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Okay, can, How can we help can you, you hear Lynn? me? Yes, we can. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, we can. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous, but... This is um, our situation, okay? okay? Our mm-hmm. daughter was married to a woman, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Last, last year, she died. My daughter's <gasps> Your daughter died. Oh, okay, okay. Not my daughter. Mm. My daughter's partner oh. died. She got okay. very sick, very suddenly. Two weeks later, they had had to make the decision to take her off life support mm. and it, w- it was just terrible yeah it's really tough. really awful mm-hmm. so it, you know during the after time my daughter was living in san diego by herself um you know and really having a hard time with the grief and everything so we decided that uh, maybe she should come home and and live at home for a while. And, you know, we would help her, you know, not charge her rent or anything, help her get back on her feet. And um, so that was about six weeks ago that she moved in. And within the first week, we came to discover that she had started another relationship with a girl in Sacramento. I mean, not Sacramento, in San Francisco. And that she was going to be living part-time with her and part-time with us. And, uh, oh, by the way, I'm not a Christian anymore. And, you know, just terrible stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, so now, you know, my husband has just, you know, because she's been gone for like two and a half weeks, not not a phone call, not, you know, and he's like, you know, she's got to make a decision. She's got to either decide she wants to be in San Francisco or she wants to be with us. But everyone mm-hmm. I have talked to has said, and one of my kids has said, you don't want to do that because if you give her, you know, an ultimatum, She's going to go straight to San Francisco, and you're never going to see her again. All right. So Lynn, and she's become Lynn. You know, I, it is a difficult very, situation. 
what would your what would your specific question be for Chris and Alice? I don't. Uh, what do we do? <laughs> We're supposed okay. to have this dinner tomorrow night with her to talk about all of this stuff, and you know, my husband wants to go in with guns blazing, and mm. you know, and my heart is saying, if we do that, that's going to be it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Chris, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I would say <clears throat> you're right. Guns blazing is not the approach here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I, right, because part of this is your own grieving process. And I'm not sure what the relationship right. was like before um, your daughter's partner passed away. But it, and if you had contact with her, but, you know, in oh, her. Oh, we did. I mean. Yeah, we did. We had them over for Christmas. I mean, yeah. I fought it at first. I fought it like crazy. Yeah. And then God told me, stop fighting, just pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did. I mean, you know, we accepted her. I bought her a Christmas stocking with her name on it, for heaven's sake. Yeah, yeah. So, and, yeah, so let me, yeah. So, with that, what this is a different situation because it involves what I think is primary to what you and your husband need to know is housing. Is she staying with you? Is she not staying with you? And and right. that and and that's what I think needs to be addressed. And and first, you and your husband but, need to know what works for you and what doesn't work for you before right. you, before you decide what works for her and what doesn't work for her. And she's going to need to decide with that. But above all of that. It is understanding that that our our highest value here is to maintain relationship with her. I know because if we don't have that, we, we won't have anything. Sure, and so you're going to have to put away on the side the angers or the frustrations. Like they, those may need to be addressed, but they first need to be addressed from the position of what are you angry about? Because sometimes we make decisions, right? That we let somebody into our life or we give something to somebody and they take advantage of it and then we're mad at them, not realizing, whoa, we didn't put parameters on this. We didn't put boundaries on this. Who I'm really upset right. at is myself. Right, but but this well, is okay. but this is not the time for that. The, this is the time to understand what are the parameters of our relationship right now, especially as it pertains to housing. Okay, Alice, what would you offer, Lynn? Lynn, I think there are two approaches you and your husband can take, either combined or one or the other. On the one hand, it appears your daughter no longer needs the the level of support from you and your husband that she did need when her partner passed away. And so your house was a refuge for her. That was a good intervention. And I think that the time of need has just changed. She now is in a new relationship. She apparently has the option of other housing elsewhere. And so because her need has changed, you can change the setup with her. And it can be that simple. We notice you just don't need us anymore in the same way you did before. And so let's make a new arrangement here. Let's start to set up the time. Go ahead. If I say that, she's going to say, well, I guess I don't need you, so I'm moving out, and and, and then we'll never see her anymore. I, I, we'll never I, see her I, but hold on. Lynn, I honestly think the story you're telling yourself right now is not true. I really do. Because I'm because this new girl, I think. This hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You got to hear me out, okay? Your okay. fear is writing the story, and it's not a good story, and it's not an accurate story. If your daughter could have cut you out of her life, she would have already done it. 
Right, and so. But she saw how hard I was trying. To it's uh, then. I was uh, really hold really on, Lynn, 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 Lynn. You're not understanding something very fundamental here. You're powerless okay. against your daughter's decisions. I'm saying, and I'm, right. and and you're working too hard to sort of control an outcome that you're not mm-hmm. in control of. And so that's why right. I mean your own grieving process of letting go. Letting go. It's almost as if you want to create a false need and keep her tied to you in a need that is no longer there. I do understand your desire to stay in relationship with her, but if you let your fear drive how you handle this, I actually think that will be unattractive to her and might put a wedge between the two of you. But if you accept the reality right. that she doesn't need you at the same level, that's a, that's a good thing. An adult daughter shouldn't desperately need to cling to parents. That's not good for anybody in that situation. When she didn't live with but you before, was, she was connected with you, Lynn. Is that right? Yes. Uh-huh. So, so there's something yeah. else that's telling you in your fear, she'll disconnect with me if she no longer lives with you. There's some other root there that is pushing you to believe her not living with you is going to mean the end of the relationship. And I don't think that comes from the facts you've told us about the history with your own daughter. Well, and here's what I would... uh, Wait, Lynn, just a second. Chris and Alice, can you talk about the power of having a freedom in relationship as opposed to trying to control and manage it so that she won't go? Because I think that's what... Lynn, I think that's what you're trying to do, and that's not the healthy way forward. Well, much of it is driven by our fear of loss. We don't mm-hmm. want to lose relationship with our children. We don't want to lose, you know, and as they grow up and they make their own choices and build their own life, there there is a loss that is real and necessary, and yet there is a renewal of a new relationship that emerges. And this happens in iteration or in different chapters of our lives. And so, so much of this is the meaning that we apply to our other people's decisions, right? So mm-hmm. if my daughter doesn't contact me, it means what about me? Does mm-hmm. it trigger my own abandonment, you know, trauma or hurts? Does it say I'm a bad mom? Does it, so what I'm trying to say is we're writing really bad stories on bad situations. Because what your daughter needs is not your fear. She needs your strength. And the strength is not right. for her. The strength is for yourself. And when we give our children right. freedom, Lynn, when we give mm-hmm. them freedom to become independent from us, it, it tends to actually strengthen the relationship. When we try to forcefully hold them too close, they usually rebel and push away and don't want relationship from us. There's right. just- I, un- I understand that. But she, what she wants is she wants to be able to just come and go, you know, how she pleases, you know, while we babysit her stuff, you know. Well, but that's a, that's, that's a, a totally different. Like, yeah. yeah. L- um, oh yeah. So, so let ahead, me just Chris. say, Lynn, you have all kinds of issues that you're jumping in together. This is exactly what I mean. If it doesn't work for you for her to come and go and you babysit her stuff, then you tell her that. Well, then you're like, well, what if she never talks to us again? I'm like, that's a whole different issue. You start with the issue in front of you. We we do also have to consider that, that, that Lynn, if you're a Christian household, you want to support Christian activities from your household. And it sounds like your daughter's starting to take advantage of your generosity now and using your home to be able to launch into a new 
homosexual relationship. And so there's a spiritual angle to consider also. Do you want to continue to support that from your home? Or do you need to take a loving stand that that's not the way your household runs? We are so glad you called, Lynn. We're going to send you a copy of Dr. Jim Burns' Doing Life with Your Adult Children. It is a balance, but we can do it. We'll be right back. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll-free 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. You know, it is always something. And, you know, we have to have a new strategy, a new story. And I think that's what we were talking about on that last call. But, you know, maybe you're struggling with, uh, you know, a similar situation where there's fear that's kind of running the show. And you'll find that it'll enslave you and it will keep you from being present in that relationship. And we just hope that um, if you have a need, you'll give us a call. 1-800-229-3000 is where we're taking calls. And we're going to go to Angel, who's calling us from New York, New York, listens on Sirius XM. And Terry, I can't get that call. There you go. Hi, Angel. How are you? I'm glad you called. How can we help Hi. you? Hi. Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. And here's a little situation I have. My mom is uh, 86. She does have home care. Uh my sister from out of town comes in periodically for several months to take care of her as well. I have my other sister who is a nurse and takes care of her quite well also. And then I have my stepfather. The, the challenge that I'm having now is that my, my sister who lives here comes to take care of my mom, just comes in as a bulldozer and just takes everything over, even her, and I can't relate to mom. It's, it's just amazing mm. that it's, I, I, you know, I love my sister dearly, but I'm not liking her very much right now. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I, I um, you know, and mom, well, you know, mothers, before they tell truth, they'll always show grace. And that's who she is. And we appreciate her for that. But mom tenses up when we're both in the room because it just becomes combustible mm. and i just want to i just want to you know spend time with mom a little while leave her alone mm-hmm. she's fine you know give me my little time and then i leave and then you do what you need to do with mom but okay okay what, well, <laughs> angel does she does your mom live with you or she lives in her own place she lives in her own place Okay. And All when, right. Alice, let's when, start with you. When your sister com- takes over and is bossy, what's the worst part of the combustion that tends to happen between you and your sister? I don't do anything right. I don't do enough. It just goes down the list, which is... Um, She's very critical of you. A little narcissistic, quite frankly, and it's annoying. And, and what's the worst part of your response to her bossing you and being so critical of you? I don't think I have a worse response. I just choose to disengage because I don't want my mom to get excited and become a referee. So I just back off. Do you still visit your mom while your sister is there, but you're much quieter? I still visit my mom, but when my sister is there, I limit the time. And if I'm with my mom, 
and she comes in, I'd rather begin to disengage than to take her on and put my mother through unnecessary stress. Yes, it raises the tension too much in the room. And if you ask your sister separately when the problem is not taking place, if if she could leave, leave some time for you alone with your mom while your sister's there and helping, what would her response be? It, it's it, the, <laughs> the response is, well, that's my mom too, and I have to do what I have to do for my mom, and whoever doesn't like it, oh well. And so if you... So if, Alice... Mm-hmm. Alice, can you give him some direction? Like, where, what can he do, given what you, the information you have? Well, I would want to push a little bit more with your sister in that same conversation. So, sister, what, what about 15 minutes? Could I just have 15 minutes alone with mom during the, the time that you're staying and helping her? How would she respond if you were more specific and a little more direct? I, I will let you know. Oh, you'll try it? <laughs> there you go. I'll give it there a, you go. I'll give, I'll well, give it a shot. It's, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing where, uh, I, like I said, I, I at this point, I just don't like her very much because of that mm. bulldozing mindset. And I'm just, when, I want to protect mom more. Angel, when, when we withdraw, as, as you sound like you're doing, and I do too, I'm a conflict avoider, when we withdraw, um, we, we don't tend to address the problem in a calm, direct way, but rather it eventually blows up when we can't stand it anymore. But if we address the person calmly, kindly, and even show a little gratitude, thanks for coming out and helping mom, it, she appreciates all you're doing, and I yeah. see what you're doing for her. I do want time alone with her. Would you be willing to help me coordinate this so mom and I get a little time alone together. It can be surprising how positive the response sometimes is when we take that gentle grace and truth approach. Yeah, Chris, how about you? What would you say to Angel? I was just piggybacking off of what Alice said, is that people don't know how we experience them until we tell them. Here's how I'm Mm -hmm. experiencing you. And and there, it gives a shot at both parties to be able to clarify. But Angel, my concern for you is the level of contentment you're feeling towards your sister. That's not healthy for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's some work that, apart from how you both deal with mom, I think there's some work to do with how you deal with each other. And I would even recommend some couples counseling well, brother, for sister. brother and sister. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and you know, a lot of times in those end stages with the family, um, Angel, you have to have a big family discussion about what's the plan here? What is the strategy for helping mom have these last few years with all of us? And a counselor can be very helpful, and I think it would be helpful for all the family to get pulled in um, so that the sister who's, you know, conflicted with everybody doesn't feel alienated. But that's our two cents. I hope that helps. We'll be... I was really living a very anxiety-filled life. I turned on New Life, and the topic that day was about anxiety. And just by listening, I got relief. You can help New Life stay on the air by joining Club New Life today. When you sign up to support us monthly through Club New Life, we'll send you the new member thank you gift of the Life Recovery Bible Personal Size, the one-year Life Recovery Prayer Devotional, the New Life Journal, a New Life Pen and Highlighter, and a New Life Zipper Tote to hold it all. 
Plus, there are ongoing benefits like access to the Club New Life video library, the monthly Club New Life CD or download, quarterly resources, free shipping on purchased resources, and discounts on workshops. Call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. That's 1-800-639-5433. Support Club New Life, and together we can help hurting people find help and hope in life's hardest places. Call 1-800-639-5433 to join Club New Life today. glad you joined us for New Life Live. To be a part of the program, call 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. You know, we are always so grateful for uh, how you support us. And in the month of March, we will thank you by sending you the book, Take Your Life Back, for a gift of $50 or more. And um, we'll include the Take Your Life Back devotional. So a gift of any amount, we would uh, send that to you. And I actually was thinking about sending Angel a copy of that Take Your Life Back book. So we'll send one to him. Alice? Becky, I want to give one more thought to Angel. And whenever someone is hurting us with their behavior, we can also let them know in a really gentle way by saying something like, I know you disagree with my approach with mom. And and you point out the ways that you disagree. I feel hurt sometimes when you give me too many negatives in a row. Would you be cautious about that, aware of it? And would you praise some of the good that you see me doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, I love that. I also was thinking, um, Alice, that you were going to go to, um, you know, just the grieving process as a child. I mean, you're an adult, Angel, but, you know, as you watch your mother go through these last stages, dealing with your own loss and um, just trying to process that so you can be fully present um, in this time. And, and can uh, I say... You get, <laughs> yes, you can. As we're piling on... Oh, yes, yes, we are. I, I, think it's, I think there's also something really important. Like you said, end of life, caretaking of an adult mm-hmm. parent, or any difficult situation in our life. There's a mantra. Under stress, we digress. Mm. Yes. And so inside of us is a defensive usually very unhealthy um, default mechanism that we go to um, when we're under extreme stress. And so for mm-hmm. some people, this is, where, this is where learning your love style is really important because your, uh-huh. your fundamental love, uh, love style, your attachment style, is where you go for safety under mm-hmm. stress and duress. Mm-hmm. And so sister may go to this sense of taking over and needing to be in control in our attempt to get safe. Angel mm-hmm. may be like, ah, uh, avoid conflict, right. peaceful waters, and avoid in an attempt to get safe. And that's actually a digression. And so mm-hmm. what we need to continue to do is do what we do here at New Life and, and read right. the book, Take Your Life Back. Read um, uh, How We Love. How We Love. Read all of our yeah. stuff. <laughs> but, no, yeah. but, but learn, like, how do I not default into these yes. unhealthy behaviors under stress. Yes. How do we stay in secure is, attachment as yes. much right. as possible? Yeah. And, and that is the relationship challenge for all of us, no matter what stage of life we're in, no matter where we're um, coming from. Um, I know I heard Larry's voice, but I want you to hold on, Larry, because I want to go to uh, call with Cindy, <laughs> who's calling us from Denver, Colorado, who's talking about the same similar subject. Ah. And so let's go to Cindy calling from Denver, Colorado, and she listens on SiriusXM. Cindy, how can we help you today? Hi, thank you. I have, um, I'm in my mid-50s, and my parents are in their early 80s, and they're both believers. 
and really wonderful people, but horrible parents. And they were horrible parents when we were growing up. And they're really pretty horrible now. Not all the time, but they're just very inconsistent. They live, um, especially my mother lives through me. My dad's sort of the king of of um, his world and sort of likes us to bow down to the king type of deal. And, and I have really worked for years just trying to honor them in the very best way that I could while also protecting my own heart. And mm. so I just, I, I don't know what, where that balance is. I feel like that for them, because I think that they feel that I live for them, whatever I do is sort of not enough, but, um, and yet I'm, I'm very consistently in contact with them, see them on a regular basis, that kind of thing. So I just don't really know what honor looks like in that scenario. Great question. Chris, you want to start? Yeah, the first thing is that because they don't know 80-some years or how 50-some years for your in your case, they've shown right. you that they do not know how to honor you. Is that correct? I would say that's true. Okay, so honor could never be in their control. They can't, they don't get to decide what is honorable or not honorable because they have proven they don't know that. So, yeah. So then you have to decide how in, in, in my value system, in what I believe that I want to value them as I value or honor myself. The way to honor parents is to honor yourself really well. And to honor them in a way that is honorable. But they don't get to determine that right now. And Cindy, the way they think honor works is probably to say yes to everything that they want from you. But Mm. you find out that you are overdrawn. They ask for too much from your resources. And so then you probably become resentful, maybe avoidant of them, and really don't want to help them anymore. It's a struggle to do. And yet your belief drives you because you want to honor them. So you want to figure that out. Cindy, I used to think that to love my mom well, I had to say yes. It should to all of her requests. It should always be a yes. But I found myself falling into that same pattern of this. I can't sustain this. <laughs> Certainly not genuinely kindly. I'm really starting to feel angry with my yeses. I'm still giving, and I was shocked, Cindy, to find out God's principle about giving honest yeses and honest noes. Mm. And if we can't give an honest no, then our yeses cannot be honest either. They can't be genuine and authentic. They're forced. So remember how God wants us to be a cheerful giver. And in order to be cheerful in our giving, we have to be able to say no to some things. So I think honoring our parents is being available within our limited resources. Our time is limited. Our energy, our patience, our kindness, all that is limited. And if you're married, if you have kids, a lot of other people in your life also need your resources. And so what you have to give to your parents has to be more limited than it has been historically. That's a tough, tough ask. How do you feel with me and with Chris and, and I both advising this to you? Yeah, I, I've never really thought about the fact that I can only honor them the way that they've honored me, and um, and and I don't I don't think I said that right, but I I um, it's such a difficult thing when you love your parents so much mm-hmm. and love the Lord and want to be obedient in this you know, call to honor your parents, and yet um, my only learning is from them, 
in the sense yeah. of what family yeah. looks mm-hmm. like. And, and, and yeah. C- Cindy, that is critically important because if we don't know what honor is, it's going to be impossible to honor. Mm-hmm. And so we right. may, need, you right. know, and, and, and so let me give you a, like kind of a scenario. It would be like, <clears throat> hey, I'm going to honor my parents with an act of love and I'm going to bring them over dinner because I know that that's mm-hmm. probably a burden for them. And that relieves a burden for them. So I'm going to relieve a burden by giving them over, bringing them over dinner. But interacting with them leaves me feeling resentful Mm -hmm. and hurt Mm -hmm. and frustrated, and and then expecting something of them that they'd be appreciative, that they would um, be kind, is also hurting me. So guess what? I'm going to bring them over dinner, and I'm going to put it on their front porch. Um, or I'm going to take it in, and then I'm going to say, "Here's dinner. I hope you have a great meal. I'm glad to be able to do this for you." And now I got to go. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so. You're deciding, yeah. Cindy, who you want to be, as opposed to letting them dictate who you are, because they don't get that control. Alice, do you have any other things that you want to offer to Cindy? Well, for Cindy, this? Br- brace yourself that they'll probably be angry and disappointed if you start yeah. to say no, and yeah. their yeah. anger That's cannot be. be yes, it can't be the litmus test to whether or not you're doing this right. In fact, them being angry with you might be a sign that you're making healthy boundaries mm-hmm. with them. Wow. Um, and, and I want you to have these phrases in your pocket when they expect things of you. You might say, I'm not, I'm not available to do that. And I'm so sorry, but that just doesn't work for me right now to be able to do that for you. And f- giving those honest no's will actually make your yeses freer and more generous because you're making some space for yourself. I love that. Can, I love that. Can I, can I pile on one more thing? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. I love I'm this is my dog pile day. Um, because I, I think what you said there, Alice, is so critically important is that, Cindy, you need to unhook from their anger. Mm-hmm. And part of that yeah. is that their anger has to mean something completely different to you and about you. Because their anger means that they're angry people who have unresolved things in their life, and their anger is looking for an excuse, and you happen to be in the way. Uh, yes. Right. When we grow up with angry parents, sometimes we feel like they're angry because I'm bad, and it, mm. and it turns itself into shame. Yeah, it that, is we got to unhook that, mm. unhook that, unhook that. Yeah. You know, um, Cindy, we're going to send you a copy of Healing is a Choice because I think that the concepts in there, we're going to help you in this moving forward um, so that you can be fully present and be the woman that you want to be despite what their um, reactions are. And we're so grateful that you called today. You know, um, I chased Larry out of the studio, but um, (laughs) (laughs) he left Alice with a word. And when we come back, we'll talk about that. And we're going to continue taking calls, 1-800-229-3000. You know, we all struggle with relationships at some point. If you don't, you probably aren't being truthful in your own relationship. And I think that's a really hard thing to kind of face because conflict is inevitable. It's what we do with it that makes all the difference in the world. We'll be right back after this. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. I said that I 
Chase Leary out of the studio. You know, one of the things that we do here is we help people um, get to workshops. You know, we have a scholarship fund that um, you can apply if finances um, would keep you from going to a workshop. But right now, the scholarship fund has been depleted so low, and we need your help building it back up. Alice, I think you have a testimony to the effect of how those scholarships help somebody. I sure do. Before coming to Lose It for Life, I was frustrated and disappointed in myself. My knowledge as a nurse and a diabetes instructor made me think that I could succeed with perseverance, but I kept letting myself down. At 60 years old, I felt like this workshop was my last-ditch effort. This workshop has been more life-changing than I thought possible. All my knowledge about diet and healthy eating wasn't enough. I needed much more, and that is what I received at Lose It for Life. I now have freedom. Something inside me has been released and replaced with peace and joy. I have surrendered Mm. my it and Mm. have left it behind. Mm, I love that so much. And so, you know, if you want to be part of life change and transformation, that's what your donations will go to. Um, Whether you want to designate it for the scholarship fund or if you want to join Club New Life, which is a monthly giving program that helps support everything that we do here at New Life Ministries, it really will make a difference in the life of someone. We hear it all the time. And I'm just overwhelmed to be able to hear and see how God is moving through the ministry. And, you know, we appreciate all of you Club New Lifers that are out there and support us this way. And if you join, we, um, I think our latest uh, collection is the books of all the devotionals. You know, we've got um, eight topics, uh, depression, anger, shame, and fear, and anxiety, character, prayer, healing, and peace. All of those devotionals. Oh, Alice is holding up the latest, which one. is shame. Yep, freedom from shame. Yep. Yeah, and so it will make a difference not only in your life, but in the lives of the people who we are reaching out to. So we're grateful for those uh, folks that are supporting us, and you can too. Uh, we're going to go to a call and... We're going to continue taking calls, so if you have a question, give us a call at 1-800-229-3000. We're going to go to Pat, who is calling us from Seattle and listens on KGNW. Pat, uh, how can we help you today? Yes, I have a problem with claustrophobia. I've had it since I was a teenager, I guess. But it's really, really bad. And um, it's so bad I have to turn down promotions at work because I can't sit in in closed spaces. Mm. So I'm wondering if there's anything that that you have that can help me. Okay. Alice, do you want to start? Pat, will you tell us a little about your history? Do you know what are the things you've experienced that have perhaps led to or influenced the claustrophobia? Um, No, it it runs in the family. Oh. Hmm. My mother has it, had it, mm. and my grandmother did too. And in addition to maybe the genetic influence and the modeling, is there any specific traumatic experiences that come to mind that exacerbated it for you? Uh, I can't think of any traumatic experiences. And tell us what kind of structured professional help you've received for this already. I haven't. I've been just living with it. Mm-hmm. When you've thought about doing so, about getting help, what has held you back? Well, I just thought it was pretty normal. Some people have and some people don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's even better news that it's treatable. 
and mm-hmm. that there are legitimate reasons why you suffer from this particular form of anxiety. And getting into a professional relationship, digging into some of the stories of what you and your mom and your grandma have gone through, a lot of, of trauma is actually generational. And so it doesn't surprise me that there's some experience of this in the past generations. But unpacking this, Pat, with a therapist could help relieve and alleviate it and introduce new strategies for dealing with it, even if it's as much as sharing a little bit with your boss and asking for some accommodation at work so that you can better do your work and perhaps even accept some of these promotions with some assistance and with some help. This is not something to face alone. So, Alice, talk more about that whole concept of claustrophobia being part of the anxiety disorder category. Well, anxiety, if we can look back far enough, it makes sense that we are anxious. There's some reason why it was generated and sustained in our lives. And our reaction to anxiety is usually a protection, a pulling back from the thing that frightens us, whether we're frightened by success, we're frightened by risk in relationship, we're frightened by responsibility. And so anxiety is a a kind of a survival technique and a protective measure that probably worked in the short term, but it doesn't serve us well in the long run. And so counseling, and coaching help us to face the things we're afraid of in bite-sized pieces so that our strength, our courage, our our tolerance level can increase. Mm, That's great. All right, Chris, what would you offer, Pat? Same thing. Really, I'd get into some anxiety-specific work. Um, Seattle is a great resource area that has a lot of um, help in the mental health field, and I would just go after the experts. You know, who has treated this before? You know, um, what are the stories out there? I do research on it and go to work on it. And because we don't, it, it's more than just not getting a promotion, though that is a really good feedback mechanism that this is a problem. It's just trying to live less with the torture. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like, well, you know, well, if I have claustrophobia, well, what do I do? Well, avoid confined spaces. Well, right. that, that, that's not life. I can't, I can't live life without, you know. And, and the, the tough thing about anxiety is it comes on without permission. Mm. It, it, it's not a willful act. And there's something in our sensory data system that picks up a signal that signals our brain long before we have a conscious awareness of it that tells us that there is a threat or a danger. So yeah, I, yeah. The, the confined space is a strong stimuli that tells your body long before it gets to your awareness that you're in trouble, that there is a threat, there is something wrong. And so good, good therapy goes into those deeper places to help relieve that. And as Alice was saying, that maybe even tie it to what may be happening in history and can we find healing from that? Yeah, yeah. Well, and hang on, Pat, we'll get you connected with a therapist up there, but also send you a copy of 100 Days of Freedom from Fear and Anxiety and get you started on that pathway. You know, we're so grateful. We've got some calls uh, waiting. We've got room for more calls. So hold on if you're holding on. We'll get to you. Um, But if you have a problem and you need some advice, we've got some great experts in the room. Alice and Chris can help help you. Uh, you can call us at 1-800-229-3000. I also think it's helpful to share new life. Of course, I think that, but I think it's helpful to share new life with so many people because just by listening, we learn mm-hmm. things and we have a different approach. And so if you know somebody or maybe want to share the show with somebody, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, you can just hit that 
share button or subscribe button and it can make all the difference in the world for somebody. I'm always amazed at the testimonies that I hear of people who say, I have been listening for years and you have helped us shape our family. You've helped me through so many trials and challenges and I've learned so much. And so we want to just encourage you, if this has been your story, to you know take that next step and share it with somebody. Um, as we close out this day, we're just so grateful that you're listening. And Chris and Alice, we're so grateful that you have, I always take notes when you guys are on and I, I know that you bless so many people. I, do you have any quick thoughts before we close the show this morning? Uh, my last quick thought is this. Um, in a world that becomes overwhelming and scary and traumatized, we must be courageous people that seek and pursue peace, that we are going after God's goodness and God's beauty as our new default mechanism. Mm, that is wonderful. And there is more contentedness accessible to us this side of heaven. And new life has the goods on that. We know the steps, the Mm. techniques to, to take into action so that we can access more contentedness. Let us help you with that. Couldn't have said it better. We'll see you next time. We hope this program has helped you by giving you insights for handling the challenges you face in your life. We want you to know that we're here for you. But you also need to know that New Life Live is a listener-supported ministry. To make your donation or to get any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. That's 1-800-639-5433 or write to us at New Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1029, Lake Forest, California, 92609. Please join us again tomorrow for New Life Live. Today's podcast can be downloaded through iTunes or streamed through your mobile device using the New Life app. Visit newlife.com to download the app today.